Hello, and welcome to Writer's Group Therapy. I'm Tom. And I'm Roshni. We're writers helping writers with whatever writing ailments you might have. Whether it's related to your craft or your career, we can help. Are you ready for your session? The The doctors doctors are are in. in. So apparently they said that if all had been um, normal in cartoon world, this would be the year that George Jetson would have been conceived. Really? Which is a little disturbing. Thank you for ruining my childhood, whoever came up with that. We do not have flying cars, but we do have AI. And it is all over the freaking news right now. Yeah, I got to go back to the AI for the cars thing, though. We don't have flying cars that fold up into a suitcase either. So yeah, hello. Yeah. We're missing a lot here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So AI, AI. Um. Yeah. Rosie the robot in the Jetsons was was an artificially intelligent robot too. Yeah. So we do. Ha- we'll we'll be getting Rosie, but we still don't have the flying cars apparently. Yeah. Well, the the cars are flying just down the road on their own. So <laughs> it seems like we've talked about AI almost all the time now in relation to a lot of different things, and I felt like. Just in the last month, it seemed like it's just, you know, with chat GDP, G, whatever, G, G, GPT, is that what it I think is? It's G, I think it's GPT, yeah, chat GPT. I wonder GPT. what that means. I don't even know what GPT stands for. Anyway, the chatbots are starting to write everything. Today, literally just today, I saw an article on uh, uh, Comic Sans, BuzzFeed stock soars after they announced they'll use AI instead of writers to create content. And that didn't shock me necessarily because I knew that AI was already being used in some news outlets to do things like sports stories, financial stories, because those are formulaic. So mm-hmm. you can plug in the numbers like, you know, today on the stock market, this happened, this happened. But now it seems like they're going to be using it for a lot more different kinds of content. Not that BuzzFeed's content is all that complicated. Top 10, whatever of whatever the kind of stories. And yeah. So yeah. Let, let's go back a little bit in time. I mean, obviously, AI has been around. So artificial intelligence has been around for a bit. And, you know, you're already kind of seeing it like with how they CGI the actors who have passed away. Or, um, you know, I know we talked about they were trying to develop like a complete AI actor. Right. You know, mm-hmm. their own entity, basically. And right now, I mean, the whole, okay, it's kind of weird. The creative community is up in arms. Like a third of it's very well informed and two thirds of it is kept in the dark and don't know why the other third is up in arms. Where I've been seeing the most movement as far as, no, we do not like this, is in the art community. Because I think that's where it's I mean, over the you're right, over the last couple of months, it's really like just exploded. And it really kind of started with the art stuff. Have you seen those where you can just plug in? You're like, oh, please create a, a picture of a dog in front of the White House wearing sunglasses, you know, and in the style of Picasso. And then it comes up with something. Have you right. seen that? Yeah. So that's the the AI art is really where it's I mean, it's always been around, but that's where it's really begun. The movement of like, no, you know creators against AI, that's really where it's begun. And if you go on like Instagram or something a couple of weeks ago, like everybody had these like AI with a circle and the slash around it, like no. And they were trying to create awareness of what it's doing in the art community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've seen the filters where like it makes you an anime character 
those those kinds of art AIs. They're even on the as it was on the evening news. NBC News did an article on um, had Lester Holt, the the news anchor, said he bought a piece of art, then found out it was AI generated, and actually went to talk to the quote unquote artist who sold it to him and said, "You didn't really design this. You didn't really create this." And he's like, "Well, I told the AI what to create, so it's my idea of what to create." But no, he didn't actually physically draw it. So then it became a question of, does that need to be disclosed? And if so, you know, who actually is the creator? Who can profit from it? That kind of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of these ethical, you know, existential questions that are coming out now. And obviously, you know, we actually have had this happen in our in our writer's group where somebody brought a script just as kind of like a, I don't know, it was a joke, but like a little exercise to have us read a script that was created by an AI and, and ask who wrote, and you know, the question was who wrote this and, and people were like, this is ridiculous. And, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a perfect script by any means. It wasn't, it wasn't completely fleshed out, but it, it, you know, it had, it had format, it had, you know, descriptions and, you know, language that you can understand it created characters. It described the characters. It described the settings. Um, the dialogue was stilted, but it had dialogue in most of the scenes. Some of the scenes didn't have dialogue, but it it looked like the script that maybe like if you're just screwing around trying to flesh out an idea that it might kind of start with, you know, like the very early, early, early stages. But it was created by an AI, so we all were like, "Oh, this is not that good. This isn't going to replace us." You know, if people can can purchase art online and not realize that it's designed by an AI. Who's to say a script for a show can't eventually be written by an AI and be produced and people not believe that, not know or realize that it was created by an AI. Well, you know, it's funny regarding that example too. So we all knew something was off because the formatting on that was wonky. Like it was having fade outs in weird places and it would just like start up random dialogue. But what was interesting about that was it still it still gave stock characters that we recognize the archetypes, right? Mm-hmm. And it still had an inciting incident because she only gave us five pages. It still had an inciting incident within the first 10 pages. So it it knew like where things should be, even if it didn't do it correctly. But what struck me about that example was that writer also brought in a show Bible. The show Bible with a little bit of tweaking could have flown. Yeah. You know, I was really actually very impressed with the show Bible. It had the log line. It had the synopsis. It had the synopsis. It had the breakdown of characters. It even had like six episodes and, oh, and right. a little thing of what the could happen ideas. in each episode. Yeah. And it worked. That one was actually grammatically correct and formatted properly. And I was like, you could have actually probably turned that in. Maybe not like sell it to, you know, NBC, but you could have turned it in for like a college screenwriting yeah. class or something, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And just a few years ago, there was an um, another AI experiment where they fed up 300 something scripts into a program and had it spit out some short script. And it was like a completely unintelligible poetry slam type random nonsense kind of story. And if you just look at the progress from that point to this to today to what's going on now, it's a huge leap. You know, it's like going from mama, dada to, you know, you know, see Dick run, you know, it's progress. And if that's progress it can make in that period of time, what's the next step is the thing. Well, I mean, it is artificial intelligence and it's supposed to evolve Mm -hmm. as it learns things. So I'm not surprised 
that within just like a year or so, yeah, it has gone from, you know, goo goo gaga to like, I can form a sentence because it's supposed, that's the whole point of mm-hmm. it. It's supposed to evolve like that. What you said before, you said that like a third of the of the art world is up in arms and the other two thirds are either not paying attention or misinformed. I mean, I, in our meeting, people seem to think that this wasn't that big a deal. Like they're like, well, our uh, AI will never replicate our emotion or our experience. I'm like, I, I think people are short sighted in that. I mean, look at the artwork. The artwork is actually, you know, it's, you know, it's, whether you like it or not, you know, there's all kinds of different styles, but it's generating, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't know the underlying, you know, art that it quote unquote scraped, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think otherwise that it wasn't original. Okay, so to go back to that, that's a big reason why people are up in arms, because it has to come from somewhere, right? Matter is neither created nor destroyed. And so where is the AI getting the quote unquote inspiration for when I say I want a dog in front of the White House in the style of Picasso wearing sunglasses? It's getting it from other images that are already out there. Yes, exactly. And whereas you or I might look at 20 or 30 pictures to get inspiration for something and then go create something new, it could actually be looking at thousands and thousands of pictures. So how are you able to say that it's copying any one picture? Isn't that what we do as humans? We look at other things and get inspired and then go create something. Even in screenwriting, there are no new ideas, as they say, you know, everything is just, can you put your own original twist on it? You know, can you make it your your own voice, your own unique, you know, situation? Can you apply it in a certain culture? It's still just, you know, Avatar is still just Pocahontas, right? Well, I guess here's the question. Okay, so when it is searching through all these images, is it taking, like, for example, is it taking the White House that was drawn by Jane Smith and using the shades drawn by Joe Schmo and putting them together? Or is it creating its own version of the White House and the shades that go on the dog? Do you see what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because one one would be plagiarism or copying outright, right. and one is creating it. Imagine the idea of making a collage out of magazine articles. You know how you used to do that? Mm-hmm. used to cut out like letters and words and pictures and put them together and make a collage. Yeah. And nobody ever said, you copied all those magazines. No, it was your collage. You used pieces from copyrighted material, but you created something unique with all those various pieces. I think what AI is doing, and like I said, it's, it's a volume kind of thing, is it's creating collages of art using microscopic pixel size, you know, chunks of things. It's It's doing, I actually give it a lot of credit for, Again, I haven't compared, you know, any of the artwork to original stuff to see how close it is, but I got to imagine it's it's pulling from such a wide range of of imagery or or information that it's what it's creating at least, you know, it if it's if you tell it to create something original, it to its mind it's original. Like if you told me to write something about, you know, little yellow people who help out a mad scientist, I could write that. Yes, it would sound like minions, but I could create something that sounds like minions, but it's totally original. Nobody would ever say you copied minions. Well, they might say that, but they wouldn't be able to say that that it was a complete copy. It was like, okay, I did something different, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're all lemurs instead of little yellow blobs, you know, whatever. 
that kind of thing. Of course, then that would be copying Madagascar, I think. <laughs> um, but anyway, you get the idea. Yeah, you yeah. mix and match and you come up with something new. And that's all we do in writing, to be honest. I, I feel like I've been doing a lot of this, you know, trying to brainstorm lately on new ideas. And I'm like, oh, well, that idea, this, here's an idea. And like, oh, that's this other thing. And like, oh, here's another idea. Oh, that's this other movie. You know, so I keep checking it off of my list. Like, okay, well, if I want to do this idea, how can I make it original? And it's, and you, we don't always have to go that far. We don't have to like really, I mean, we have to come up with something good, but we don't have to go that far to make it something original. I mean, when we pitch things, we even do, you know, this is A plus B. It sounds B. like so-and-so. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like this plus that. We work, we live in an, an analogy metaphor world. Um, and it's how we describe things to other people. For us to say that our art is so original that it couldn't possibly, you know, whether it's visual or performing is so original and unique that it's never, ever been done before is ridiculous. So to, to look at AI and go, well, it's just copying everybody, I think is is uh, hypocritical. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you also have to think, though, too. <sighs> I mean, creative jobs are already as scarce as it is. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? And now we're going to give it to some AI, really? And well, it also brings yeah. up it also brings up the question of copyright. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, in fact, we uh, we can also put this in the show notes. Legal Legal did a great episode on AI and copyright. One thing he said is that right now, it's copyright is only in the human domain. But then you get into the question of like, okay, well, so if that AI bot writes the next Oscar-winning script, you know, someone's going to want to copyright it. So who owns it, the AI or the person who programmed the AI? And then mm. you get into copyright is the life of the the creator plus 70. So is it the bot's lifetime or is it the <laughs> person who programmed it? So it's but theoretically you, infinite then, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying, you know? And actually, it's interesting because apparently the copyrights for some bit, pretty big properties, uh, Mickey Mouse the Steamboat Willie, right? Mm-hmm, and then yep. um, some Looney Tunes characters, a lot of like the classic cartoons, they're up in a couple years. Like that's pretty big. Well, yeah. what if like some some AI had created that? Is that like forever? You know, right. do, do you know what I'm saying? Like I, this comes to a huge question of AI sentience. You get into that whole singularity type thing is because you mm-hmm. talk about the life of the creator. Well, you have to first establish that AI is life before you can, give it a copyright this is like something that's gonna be really cool to see in the courts isn't it oh my word well okay but here's the question like i don't okay the question is not all right let me see how do i phrase this <laughs> without getting into like you know abortion rights or something yeah stuff here, i yeah. think the question is not what defines life but what defines humanity mm. because that's a good because, question yeah. yeah because the reason humans are different is we talk, we communicate, we create, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that animals don't communicate with each other or like create, you know, dams or create nests or something like that. But we create things that art is not necessary. It's beautiful. It's not and it, like functional. But it's not yeah. functional. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's what makes us different than like our dogs and cats and horses and, and pigs yeah. and stuff. I will say there was that one story about the monkey who took a selfie and then on a camera that was like set up by some wildlife photographer and, and then it went to court over whether the monkey had the right to the selfie or the, or the person who set up the camera had the right to the selfie. Oh, interesting. What did they decide? Do you know? I I I think they decided in the favor of the monkey. 
I'd have to look it up though. Isn't I mean, and then you think the monkey doesn't even care, right? I mean, I would think. Maybe yeah. the monkey's ancestors, when they evolve, might might care. But yeah, they were just playing with the camera, right? But yeah, you uh, have to. But you have just to. So ask I found. That, I found it. The uh, the, ca- the court dismissed it. Actually. Oh, they did. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Peta sued in favor on the behalf of the monkey, and it said the monkey cannot own a copyright under U.S. law. So, so it wasn't that the monkey didn't create it. It's just that the monkey could not. The monkey didn't have the right to have a copyright. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the monkey didn't even care. But <laughs> it went to court. I mean, monkey's it's... like, I'm not paying those lawyer fees. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Peter's doing this pro bono, pro bono, aren't they? But yeah, you have, I mean, I think it comes into a question of what defines humanity because we can create. Right. Well, so... and, and the question is, will we keep creating? And you brought this up. We talked earlier about this is does AI being able to create these things like writing essays, creating artwork, uh, creating scripts, whatever else we teach it to do, make us less creative. Do, do we stop? And then do we stop being critical? You know, cause we, when the human creates something, it gets critiqued by all those other humans look at it and just, and we decide the value of it. Mm-hmm. But if, if you build an AI and say, this AI is making art, who who judges the ai's art does do are we able to to you know to treat it with the same criticalness and then if we start to base everything on that level of creativity how does that how does that level out humans in the creative space i guess that's the question it kind of also makes me wonder if um i i mean i obviously right now it's not at that point but if it does evolve to that point wouldn't everything an AI create be perfect? Like it would be the perfect script with the perfect balance of whatever, whatever. And it would have like, it would hit all the right, you know, here's the um, inciting incident at the right moment. And here's the climax at the right moment. Or like the art would be absolutely perfect. Or do you know what I'm saying? Like wouldn't yeah. it be just absolutely without flaw? It's kind of the whole monkeys with typewriters kind of thing. I mean, that's just, you know, a... um an analog an analog version of ai it's like you know if you had an infinite number of monkeys you know typing on an infinite number of you know uh typewriters eventually somebody would write something coherent you know it's kind of like that's assuming the monkeys don't learn anything too so with ai it's you know an infinite number of cpu cycles eventually it's going to learn something and it's going to do something you know that we all agree is, you know, something of value of merit, I guess. But do you give it merit because it learned to do that? Or did you, you know, cause we humans do it because one, we have talent and two, we, we, we practice and teach ourselves to do it better. You know, it's a, we have, we put effort into it, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. you know, but once, once an AI learns that, does it stop learning or does it, does it, like, let's say you did teach uh, an AI to, to do artwork in, you know, really good artwork in the, the form of Picasso, you know, and then can that AI also go and then do Rembrandt? You know, is does that AI have a style of its own? No. Now you've just told it what style to paint in. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 We don't do that as humans. We don't do that. We don't say, I'm going to learn all these different styles. We You generate your own style. 
And that's part of that filtering process of learning and, and failing and learning and trying again. And, you know, the, the critical uh, application of, you know, the, the artwork to it. And, and so if you're just teaching, like you said, going back to the beginning, if you're go, you teach an AI to look at other things and mimic it and combine the styles and stuff, is it actually creating its own style or is it just, you know, crunching the numbers, so to speak? I mean, and in that case, you know, that's a very good point. Like, for example, as writers, we we niche down, right? Like, I'm comedy. You're, you know, good at, like, action thriller type stuff. But if you have an AI that can just source from everything, you know what I'm saying? It's like you have this this thing that can write in any genre, can create any style of art, can write any kind of music, you know? Does it become a, instead of a jack-of-all-trades master of none, could it be a jack of all trades and a master of all? That's interesting. Yeah. And that also kind of makes me wonder, going back to your example of the guy who sold an AI piece of art, right now it's free. But if it does get that sophisticated, then what if it gets you know behind a paywall, right? Well, they could become NFTs or something like that. Yeah. You know, suddenly they have, you know, value based on what people think they're worth. The the thing with AI though is it's it's not like the AI is ever going to stop. I guess is the question. You know, a lot of times paintings become valued because the because you know the painter's dead. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, I guess my point is this. Okay, so like say Chat Chat GPT, right? Mm-hmm. And it's writing all these things. So then you're like, hey, like if right now Chat GPT anybody can use. In fact, there's an issue right now on college campuses where students are using it to write their college essays. And teachers are like, we we don't know, like, is this a bot or is this a mm-hmm. human, right? And so, like, that's a big deal. It's free to use. But if you can start using it to sell things, right, you're creating art, you're creating scripts, you're creating whatever, eventually they're going to have to put it behind some sort of paywall, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't all just go use it for free and then, I mean, we can. But like, I'm sure the makers of ChatGPT will be like, well, hey, I deserve a cut of that because now millions of people are selling scripts and selling mm-hmm. books using it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and artwork, right. And that's exactly. the other, that's actually bringing me to another thought. I'm in, so I am an independent author and I'm in a lot of author communities. And because it's so cheap or free, so many authors use it for their book covers for their audiobook narration. And it's the only community I've seen, this is my very small little rant here, it's the only community I've seen where they happily indulge in it. Whereas like, I know like art actors, voiceover actors, we are all up in arms about it. But the writing community for some reason is like, this is great. And I kind of want to be like, guys, I know it's cheap and I know it's, it's it's expensive to be an independent author. If you do it right, you've got book covers, you've got editing, you've got marketing. You can run thousands, tens of thousands quite easily. I get it. But don't think that you can play around in one part of the AI creative community and then it won't gun for you. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, don't be right. surprised if you're like, all of a sudden my books are AI, but then maybe they might like that. I don't know. But it's really weird. It's the the writing community is the only one I've seen where they're totally fine with it because it's so cheap, which gets me again to eventually it's going to have to go behind some sort of a paywall. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And if there's money to be made, someone will try to make it, which which uh, brings me to one of the other AI things that we talked about was um, uh, D&D. 
and how um, this oh we- yeah, man, wi- Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> you had to educate me on some of this. The Wizards of the oh. Coast are uh, looking to ins- uh, put so in let, a, a licensing fee. Go ahead. Let's go re- backwards in time on this one. Although things on the Wizards of the Coast thing are also constantly evolving. So as of this recording, who knows? Everything's fair game. But a couple. So right before Christmas, leading up to the New Year. The big issue with Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. So for 20 plus years, they have a thing called the Open Gaming License, which basically states, you know, they have the books, the D&D books, which is like the rules, like how to play. And then they have um, like a basic world, right? And they've created several basic worlds for people to, to role play in. But you can also create your own. That's called Homebrew. And for 20 plus years, this OGL was just like, it's totally cool homebrew all you want, create what you want, you know, go ahead and, and, and make extra uh, modules and stuff like that. And it's fine. Just credit us. That's all we ask. Just put this in the copyright. Right. And for 20 years, I mean, you know, you always make fun of me. You're like, oh my gosh, you're such a nerd. But yeah, D&D was very like underground and it was like the purview of like us gaming geeks. And then, you know, critical role and stuff like that happened. And now it's very popular, Stranger Things, you know, and now it's in the consciousness of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So. It started with they wanted to get, uh, I think it was 25% of royalties if you made a certain amount on uh, I think it was D&D. over $750,000. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a high amount, but 25 is a big percentage. So that was the, the start of it. And then somebody leaked. They were going to update the OGL, and somebody leaked it. And there was a lot of things in it. You can go online. People have detailed it, like, ad nauseum on what's in the OGL. But one of the things that came out so okay, so in the updated OGL, they were going they wanted to say, okay, you people who create, you know, offshoot content, derivative works of Dungeons and Dragons. So people who create uh homebrew content and then sell it, right? Because everyone's, you know, mm-hmm. taking derivative works of D D and then selling like homebrew content, you know, or new books or new monster manuals or whatever. Uh, we want to take that in perpetuity, aka forever, and use it for our own stuff. And we don't have to tell you, and we don't have to uh, give you any royalties off it. Mm-hmm. But but if you go under this new OGL, that is what you are agreeing to. People were not as up in arms in it as I think they should be. People were upset. But mm-hmm. then, this is why I got up in arms, because then on the heels of that, they have a subscription service called D&D Beyond. And they came out saying, and we're thinking of creating AI game masters, AI dungeon masters. Dungeon masters are the ones who lead the game in the mm-hmm. storytelling, right? right. It's an inter- D&D is an interactive storytelling game. So they're the ones that lead the game. They create the world. They create the conflicts that happen. And they lead the players into that. And I thought, if you create AI DMs, where are you getting that content? More importantly, if you don't have a human dungeon master, how are you going to determine who the biggest nerd in your group is? Oh, come on, Tom. <laughs> Just but, you know, but here's a question, too. No, it's true. Like, here's, here's a question, actually. Interesting. Uh, piggy, piggy, be, piggy backing. I can't speak off of that. So I'm actually in a live stream right now called Punch and Roll, which is a, a role-playing tabletop live stream. And I've... Uh, game mastered now for like two years and when I first started 
and it was homebrew. When if when I first started, I did plot out where my characters were, or not my characters, where my players were going to go and what they were going to encounter, and you know what I wanted them to, what what I wanted to have happen to them in each session. And then I realized the second time around, they because people are people and they never go where you want them to go, right? <laughs> right. And so I started to just improv it all. We had a fun time. We just improv the crap out of it. And for this live stream, I sort of prep, like I have vague ideas of where like the story should go. But for the most part, I improv. And there have been times when I'm like, okay, you guys are getting in a fight. I didn't plan for this. I didn't create a map, but we're, we're getting into a fight right now because it made logical sense because I have that skill of improv. But I don't think an AIDM could improv. Oh, no, it's, it sounds more like those text-based adventures where you only have a certain limited number of commands you could give it and it can only respond to those. I mean, obviously it'd be at a higher level, but it seems like it'd be more like, you know, go right, go left. You know, you wouldn't have the the nuance of of understanding the dynamics of the group or or the adventure that they're on to like improvise like you're saying. But wouldn't wouldn't you need to sort of I don't want to say program it, but you kind of that's part of the fun of the game. I'm not saying every game is improv, but it's it's like at least 80 to yeah. 90% of it. It really is because that's what I have... thought about it. It was, yeah. it was the, the important thing was if Wizards of the Coast gets this license and they're able to take all these improvisational things, these thousands and thousands and however many, you know, quests and adventures and put them into an AI and let the AI kind of learn that process. You know, the AI could then generate endless, you know, quests, you know, of ultimate, you know, uh, diversity or whatever improbability that could go anywhere. You know, it could pull on all those characters and adventures and monsters and, and, and actions and, and create an unlimited number of endless possibilities. So if, does that then supplant the need for people to create those? You know, like you're the dungeon master and you're creating the adventure and then you're guiding it and then you're even you're improving it. If the AI is doing it, then there's no human need to to create that because the AI is creating it. You're just kind of responding to it at that point. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because I guess from that certain standpoint, I don't think an AI could... Like if my players zig and I got to zig with them, I don't know if a bot could do that. But I guess if you're it, I guess from that standpoint, it's not me responding to the players. It's the players responding. They'll just get steamrolled into whatever the bot. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Because it's the players responding to the bot and the yeah. bot it, not it's necessarily like, It's the difference between a linear video game where... No matter what you do, once you defeat the boss, the next step is going to be whatever the game says it is. That's in a linear thing. You have to go through yeah. different different areas and fight different you know enemies and then progress through the game. And it's not like you have a choice in that. You might have a choice when you do something, but you don't have a choice if you do something. Like if you want to go to the next part of the game, you have to do this. Versus mm -hmm. an MMO where you can wander around almost aimlessly and and do different things, you know, um, like I do in Genshin Impact. You can go on quests, or you can go fight monsters, or you can go fight bosses. You can kind of do it in any order you want. But, you know, the thing with the D&D &D thing that I found interesting is if, if you take, you know, for example, a Genshin Impact kind of game, which has millions of players, 
mm-hmm. and has has them all contributing to a greater knowledge of what players do and want to do in the game. Could you eventually build an engine or a AI to generate new adventures for them to go on that are unique and and endless, basically, is the question. Without oh, having to code yeah. it, you know, without having mm-hmm. to have people sit around a table, okay, this is the storyline and this is what you have to do and you have to collect these and you have to fight these and then you get this reward. That's kind of, you know, a real lame, simplistic structure. But if you can create enough, um, like especially the D&D is a great example because there's so much diversity in the content that's been created. Yeah. If you can harness all that content, can an AI then eventually learn to generate its own ideas and create adventures that you could go on? So, Which basically makes it like free. an improv. Well, I was going to say it makes it makes the the content creation becomes free then Mm -hmm. the the company can sell it to you. The company gets to sell it to you, but the AI is creating it to them for free. They don't have to hire, you know, a room full of people of coders and designers and developers Mm because the AI will be able to design it because we know it can design now, Um, you know, eventually character design. Why not? You know, Um, story design, it's doing, it's writing stories. And, you know, so why couldn't it do all of that? So now you've be able you'd be able to create games or or game scenarios, you know, endlessly for for free basically, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't need to employ game creators. Oh my gosh! Or writers or designers. This is making me so sad. So we kind of come back, other, yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> so, other thing too is like, I mean, you've basically so right now, the reason why the AI art and the AI writing. I mean, it's wonky, but the reason why it kind of sort of works is because everything's formulaic and it's pulling off of that. But now you're just basically saying, and that's really, I think, the heart of creation, that it can improv. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we Im- we we are because Im- creation is improvisation, mm-hmm. but we follow that formula because we are also humans and we like routine and repetition and patterns, right? right? And so, you know, we know the Hollywood formula works. It's worked for so long. And so that's why we do it. But we also get really excited when someone, you know, subverts the the expectations and does something crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. So we like that unpredictability. But going back to what you're saying with the, the D&D AI DMs, that was a lot of acronyms right there. Um, all those printed books, the campaigns, and I, I'm not a fan of, I've, I've tried them in my campaigns, and I realized to me they, they feel limiting, so that's why I just homebrew it. But they give you a loose linear story for your players to follow with a little bit of wiggle room if they, you know, like maybe they are exploring the temple, but if they want to like, you know, go to the bar real quick they can you know like it Mm -hmm. gives them that that flexibility but it does provide a like a 80 percent linear structure for them to follow as opposed to when people and again everybody also homebrews different you know like i'm in a game right now where the the dm has very much plotted out everything but then you know you have people like me who really don't plot anything out at all and just react to what's happening in the moment and i feel like if if an ai could get to that point because it can create all that stuff the way you're saying if an ai can improv then it's just like game over yeah because that's really the heart of creativity right there Mm -hmm. 
But like you just said, all of our creativity tends to follow some sort of formula. You know, TV shows are a certain length. Movies are a certain length. They have a certain number of acts. They're not always all the same. They're not always all the, you know, the same number of pages, the same number of scenes. But they have structure. There are rules. You know, sometimes you break the rules. Sometimes, you know, if you follow the rules too closely, what you get is crap. Sometimes mm-hmm. you've got to break the rules. Yeah. So I think AI is somewhere along that continuum now. And it's just a matter of a time before, uh, you know, we're going to have AIs doing driving our cars, doing our physical labor, creating our art, creating our news. What are oh we going to do? <laughs> right. Oh my I mean, word. not just what are we going to, we're not, I mean, we, people will still want to create, but it's, it's kind of like once all that stuff's being done for us, what do humans do? Ah, yeah. we're going to be like the fat people floating around on chairs on, wall, Wally. on, on Wally. I, know, yeah. I was just thinking that, you know, what's funny too. So I sent you another article and it was, it was not AI related, but it was interesting to me. So the author of the article was talking about kids, YouTube. And they were like, kids, YouTube is really weird. And they were talking about um, some of the programming out there. But everything's very, again, formulaic, pattern, automated. And it's like they find one formula that works. We can put put the article in the show notes. And like they just kind of keep, you know, following that formula or whatever. And, And they just had some other things going on with kids, YouTube. But it made me think, so we're of the generation that is programming and creating the AI. But children, you know, they'll grow up. I mean, you already see it, right? Like there was another article about like, you know, what's up with Gen Z? And this is not like a bash on Gen Z here, but like they were like, why does Gen Z put everything online? You know, they put like all their feelings and and everything on TikTok, whereas we're a little more private, even though we are social media, you know, still Mm -hmm. in that generation. But it made me think if AI gets super sophisticated that it could write say, an award-winning script, an award-winning novel, you know, amazing art or whatever. We have grown up with the ability, because we knew a time without AI, we were trained in what makes good art, what makes good writing, what makes a good novel. And we Mm -hmm. can look at an AI piece and look at it with critical eyes and see where it's good and see where it's bad and see where it needs to grow. But if a child uses those programs and doesn't develop that artistic sense and those muscles, what does, you know, because it kind of, it kind of makes me think of like, what's the first thing that always gets cut in schools is the art programs, Mm -hmm. right? They cut Mm -hmm. theater, they cut music, they cut art. And this kind of sort of feels like it to me in a way. Mm And it's so crucial to like who we are as people, but like what what's going to happen to the next generation if they don't have that muscle and know how to use it? Mm-hmm. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> AI. Bum, AI. Bum, bum. It's, 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 um, it's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, ride. We'll have to see where it goes. I think it's going to go quickly too. I think they're going to have to start enacting laws and putting parameters around it, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think I think you're right around around not just what it creates, but what it's allowed to use to create that kind of thing. Like like this whole um, you know uh, licensing content for free from your users, that kind of stuff to mm-hmm. to use in an AI. That's definitely going to be an issue. Um, or like just like with the screenwriting stuff, if if you feed a bunch of scripts into an AI to to get it to teach it to write, you know, screenplays, well, does it owe something to the people? 
who wrote all the screenplays you fed into it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they, are they the teachers then of the AI? Yeah. Are we all the teachers of the AI? All right. Interesting thought. What do you guys think about the AI debate? Let us know in the comments. You can find us online at WG Therapy or writersgrouptherapy.com. And we will talk to you guys in a few weeks. 